Amen. You glad to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, look with us to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and we will look at chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And I'm grateful to be here this evening, and I'm glad you are as well. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts tonight through His Word. I want to say thank you to the church for the wonderful welcome you gave to Sandra and I and the girls this morning, and uh, we felt right at home already. Thank you so much for your kindness to us, and uh, for those who uh, took us to lunch as well, thank you for that. If you have your Bibles tonight, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and if you feel like it, stand with us for the reading of God's Word. If you're unable, that's fine, but if you're able, stand with us for God, reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading down in verse number 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. The Bible says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have uh, erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do uh, gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer, and Lord, we ask that for the next few moments, May you open up our eyes to the truths and the great mysteries of your word. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. You may be seated. I want to take our text tonight from uh, here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 20. Verse number 20, as we read, says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. The Bible is dealing here, Paul writing to Timothy, is dealing with the, a great house. I want to preach for a few moments tonight on characteristics of a great church. Some characteristics 
of a great church. I have no, desire, uh, no doubt this evening uh, that you desire to have a great church. I have no desire that God desires for North Etowah to be a great church. But what does that mean by Bible biblical standards? And then when we look at that, how do we arrive at being a great church? What do, how do we measure up to God's standards of what it means to be a great church? I don't know about you, but we can compare ourselves to many things, and we might find ourselves uh, well above uh, some standards. But I have found in my life that the only thing that really matters is not how we compare to a, uh, someone else in their life, but the true standard is how do we compare to God and His standard. And that is what matters. Amen? Uh, we find here that the Bible says that in a, uh, a good house or a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. We find that the Bible saying that there are vessels that are there. And I believe that the first step for you and I to, uh, to become a great church or to know if we are a great church is that there must be a truthful inventory of where we stand with God. The Bible says there are vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. What are the difference in these, uh, in these uh, different levels? What are these different uh, characteristics? How do we compare? We must take a truthful inventory of our own heart and our own lives. I believe that God would have us to do that in our own life. And just as we do a spring cleaning maybe at your house in the spring, sometimes we need to step back and do the same thing in our own lives and in our own heart. Verse number 20 here says there are two car or categories of vessels within the house or the church. And uh, there are some that will bring honor and glory to God while there are others um, who uh, are living a Christian life that are not to be mimicked or imitated. God is fully knowledgeable concerning our heart and, uh, and our value that we bring to his church, but are we aware where we stand with God? Do you know where you are at spiritually tonight? And I believe that we should maybe take a, uh, a self-awareness test just to find where we stand with God. The first two things that are mentioned here are gold and of silver. Now, I encourage you, if you are not part of the uh, discipleship that goes on, uh, Brother Jim showed us a, a, a DVD earlier and uh, looking at the uh, seven churches in Revelation, and they were talking about the importance of that gold and how it is an eternal thing that lasts versus uh, some of the material uh, things from, uh, of earth and wood that crumble and, and fall apart with time, but gold is viewed as an eternal object. And so we find here that there are two objects that are mentioned that are honorable. Those are the things of gold and silver. They are things that hold places of honor within our homes and within our own hearts and things that we place value upon. Gold and silver has great value. And I would say wood and earth doesn't have a, as much value. But, of course, in 2022, uh, if you go to the hardware store, you'll find lumber has more value today than it did a year ago. 
but typically it does not hold the same value as gold or silver does. There are some things about these uh, gold and silver, there are some characteristics about it that give it its value, that make it desirable. Uh, the first thing is, is that uh, both gold and silver are malleable. They are able to be conformed and, and they're able to be transformed to make jewelry, uh, to decorate with. They're able to be molded into whatever uh, that is desired by the master's hands. And so for you and I, if we are to be uh, vessels of, of honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we are to be a great church, we will find that we are individuals or a church that is easily transformed and shaped by the hand of God to do with us whatever he desires. And so we must learn that we must be malleable in the hands of our master, who is Christ. No, we find that they are both malleable, but Second of all, we, uh, they hold their highest value when they have been purified. Gold has value, but the more pure it is, the more value that it holds, and the same with silver. And so it is for the Christian, we bring more to the table, uh, and we are becoming a, from a, a great church when we come to a place where we have been purified, where our lives began to mimic more of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate goal for your life and for mine. You might say, Pastor, what does a great church look like? Pastor, what does a great Christian look like? And the answer is really fairly simple. A great church or a great Christian is an individual or a body of believers who faithfully uh, represent the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that Jesus Christ himself shines through our life so that the world looks upon us and instead of seeing you or me, they look upon us and instead Instead, they see Jesus Christ through our lives. And to be a great church, we must be a, a, a church that is, uh, um, that is valuable like gold and silver. And the third part of that is they are reflective. We must learn to be reflective, not of ourselves, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can the world see Jesus Christ through our life? You see, the truth of the matter is, as I began to, uh, I spoke this morning with Brother Farmer for a few minutes before church, and he's going to pull some demographics for me the next couple of weeks over um, Etowah and the county and the community around us. But he said that he had recently got a new uh, uh, program through the Tennessee Baptist, and as he looked at the demographics, that our area, our community is, as far as church affiliation, we are well below the national average. That shocked me this morning. We are in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Uh, there are states like Washington that are less than 2% hold any kind of religious affiliation, and yet our community, our county is below the national average. How does that happen? And so therefore what we see is that our world is needing Christ, but what happens is... Uh, we didn't need to stand out from the crowd. You say, how do you do that? By faithfully reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about you or me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ that he might be glorified and uh, that the world might look and say, uh, I see Jesus Christ through your life. Another thing about gold and silver is that it is repairable. 
Now, if you hold on with me, we're going to go somewhere with this in just a moment. And I want to look at the opposite of this with wood and earth. But gold, you can tarnish it. It can be broken. But it can be reformed and remade beautiful again. You don't scratch gold and say, well, it's lost its worth now. Let's throw it in the trash and discard it. No, its value doesn't change, does it? And so it is to be for the church, for the child of God, for a great church. We should be repairable, but also we should recognize the value in others. Even when their lives have been tarnished. Even when life has maybe taken its toll on their lives. We should recognize that our worth and our value is not in how we present ourselves, but rather Christ who lives within us. And so we see gold and silver. But then the second thing we see here, the Bible says, they're not only vessels of gold and of silver, the Bible says, but they are also of wood and of earth. They are those things that are used, but they're really not pure. You can build with wood, you can build with clay, earth, but they're never really the highest standard. We, as we walked, watched earlier, Brother Jim, I really enjoyed that tonight. And if, and if you don't go to discipleship uh, on uh, Sunday evenings, I just went to my first one this evening. And Brother Jim, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I encourage you to go. You're missing out. And I want to find out what uh, system you've been using, what that was, that was fantastic information. But they were going back in the Laodicean church, um, the oldest Christian church building on the video, it said that's still uh, been unearthed. And uh, we're going back thousands of years and the, and the buildings are still there. They've reconstructed them beautiful uh, out of, and they're still being used. Uh, but build a building out of wood and you're doing what, to get a couple hundred years out of it? At best, they're usable, but they're not really pure. And the truth of the matter is, it's impossible to remove impurities from wood. And, from wood. You can sand them away, you can cut it out, you can drill it out and fill it back in with something else, but it's pretty hard, about impossible to remove, pull out impurities. And yet, the Bible says there are vessels that some honor and some to dishonor. The dishonorable vessels are those that uh, still are maybe Christians who are saved. They are born again. They're children of God, but they've never come to a life of sanctification. Never sought to please God and allowed the Holy Spirit to work in their life. Wood is difficult to bend, although it can be done. Clay can be molded, but once it's been set... It's unmovable. You can break it. You can break a clay pot, but once it's been broke, you cannot bend it once it's set. Thirdly, wood and earth, they are absorbent rather than reflective. Wood will absorb. You can paint. You can soak with water. It'll absorb, but it doesn't really push back what's been there. 
and for the church that is dishonorable or the Christian that is dishonorable, they are individuals who are consumed with themselves as opposed to being reflective. We are to be vessels of God that God can flow in and through our life that as God gives to us, we also can give to others. We are to be uh, not vessels of dishonor that are absorbent, but rather we are channels of blessings for God to work in and through our lives. Talking about some characteristics of a great church. What does it mean to be a great church? There must be a truthful inventory. Gold, silver, wood, and earth. And there's also a self-purging. It'll be evident by our sanctification abilities and willingness to work. One of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is when we no longer seek growth. When we think we've arrived. When we, if we ever get to a place in our own life where we say, you know what, I've been in church for a lot of years. I've been around the Word of God. I've read the Bible through cover to cover four or five, six times or more. I, I, I've learned enough. I'm, I'm okay. We're in dangerous waters if we get to that place. We must learn that we are, uh, we are always uh, in need of growth and for the Holy Spirit to revive our hearts through the power and the, of His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we come to a place where we think we have it all figured out, um, we're usually in worse shape than we could imagine. What I can tell you is we might not have the answers of ourselves, but right here is all the answers that we need. Amen? Second of all, there must be a maturing of the believers. It is a rejection of the dishonorable lifestyle. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, down through verse number 7, um, the Bible gives some, or Paul shares with Timothy some characteristics of those who are uh, dishonorable, those vessels of some to honor and some to dishonor. The dishonorable uh, vessels are these. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of, from such turn away. For of this order they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Boy, does that not sound like society today? Dishonor. See, when you begin to look at all these and sum them up, I think you can summarize it with really three main characteristics of a dishonorable lifestyle. First is they're self-promoting. They're all about themselves. Consumed with themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, 
self-consumed. See, we are dishonorable when we live for number one. Do we live for the Lord Jesus Christ and others, or do we put ourselves first? So that's what society's telling us, isn't it? Just do what feels right. Follow your heart. You hear that all the time, don't you? Follow your heart. Last I remember reading, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't follow your heart. Follow God. Self-focused. Not only that, but God denying they are blasphemers, truth breakers, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It's those who reject God. Those that live that are dishonorable, vessels that are dishonorable, are ones that are consumed with themselves, but also vessels that claim God, claim his love, but deny him through their actions. And thirdly, they're fleshly focused about gratifying the flesh. Do we live for ourselves for what feels good? Or do we live for God? And then there is the opposite of that. Later on in the chapter, we find that there is the opposite, which is a pursuit of godliness. Those are the vessels of honor. They are those who seek righteousness. They are the vessels who live by faith, the, the, the vessels who are given to charity, and those vessels who possess and know the peace of God. What kind of vessel are we? A great church. This can all, sometimes, these seem simple, but they're not always as simple to practice as they are to preach. I was talking with someone recently about honoring, being honorable to parents who were dishonorable. How do you do that? How do you honor someone who is not honorable themselves? Doesn't the Bible say to honor your father and mother? How do we do that? How do we be vessels of honor when those that we're trying to bring honor to don't accept it? See, the truth is bringing honor to your father and mother um, now, of course, this is not children, obey your parents. I'm talking to the grown-ups here. Sometimes, the Bible, well, I say always, the Bible does not say we are as adults, so we have to listen to and obey everything that your parents say. When you're a child, you do, but as you grow up, um, sometimes people give you ungodly advice. So you say, Pastor, how do I bring honor to them? By living honorably. By doing what's right. Whether they accept it or whether they reject it, do right. 
live right. You say, Pastor, I, I want to bring honor to my family, but my children, they've gone astray. They're not living right. My grandchildren, I, I've tried to teach them right. I've tried to raise them up right, but they've rejected truth. What do I do? Live honorably. Do right, live right, be right, and set the example that whether they accept it or whether they reject it, that is not up to you. They have their own choice to make. But you live honorably. You set the example so they may look at your life, and regardless of whatever else they have in their life, they know the truth because they have witnessed it. They have seen honorableness in firsthand, and they see it in your life. Just do right. great church. I want to, for just a few moments, I want to give just a few things and I'll be done. I say that and I actually mean it tonight. We've got a lot more time on Sunday nights. I enjoy this. I'll be better prepared next week. (laughs) I won't be long-winded on you. I want to share just a few things from the pastor's heart. As we look to go forward, as God has brought us here, I do not come in with the mentality that I have all the answers. But at the same time, I do believe that God has led us here for a reason and a purpose. And so I want to just share six things from my heart that as we go forward that I hope that Um, I pray that you will join me as we go forward. To be a great church, we must, as I said, ultimately, we must reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. He must be the center of everything that we do. And if he's not the center of it, let's invest our energy and resources somewhere else. Christ must be the center of it all. Amen? First off, we must move forward. We have to go forward. I thank the Lord for the testimony of North Etowah Baptist Church. There's not hardly a person I've spoke to um, in this whole community who doesn't know this church and speaks highly of it. That's really saying something. But we cannot live out of yesterday. We must go forward. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? God will, in his time, reveal exactly what that will look like. I don't have all the answers to that right now. But what I do know is, as we preach this morning, it's going to be an act called action. We're going somewhere. We're going forward with the gospel to our community. We must move forward. But second of all, we must move forward together. It's going to take all of us. I know it was preached this morning. Brother Farmer mentioned it as well. But it cannot be Pastor Ellis. God has called me to be the leader, the shepherd, but I cannot do it by myself. We must do it together. Now, the truth is, when you get this many people, especially Sunday mornings, and there's a lot more people here as well, we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. But let's move forward together for the gospel. 
You say, preacher, am I always going to get my way? Probably not. And as pastor, I may not always get my way. That's okay. But together, let's take the gospel forward. Let's keep our priorities focused on what God has for us. And let's move forward together. We all need to be hands on deck. Visitation on Tuesday night. But the gym's telling me normally five, six people, two or three couples that came. I know you're busy. Not everybody can come. But I encourage you, if you can, come be a part of it. Together. I don't know what I can say tonight because we are on YouTube. We're on live on the internet and on radio. But I don't want to divulge too much. But I received a text earlier today from a, uh, a friend, a dear friend, and he has been involved with a Bible college overseas, and um, he gained some information today about a church that is in a strong, predominant, one of the most um, extreme Muslim countries in the world, and I'll just, I won't even say the name of the country. And you would think that they are in a place where not much potential for the gospel to be spread. Missionaries there, but maybe do a little work here and there. Um, he's actually teaching at a Bible school and has to go by a fake name. I've been ragging him. His nickname as a professor, because he can't use his real name, is Dr. Hulk Hogan. And so, <laughs> what an interesting nickname. As of uh, this year to date, there's been right at, they had 12 baptized today. And through July 24th, they've had 796 people baptized in that one church. And that's in one of the most difficult mission fields in the world. Don't tell me we can't do that in Etowah, Tennessee. If they can do that in that country, what's our excuse? They're doing it in a place where the gospel is suppressed, where we can't even mention the name of the country because if word gets out, they could be killed. Christianity is hated, and they baptized almost 800 this year in one church. We are without excuse. We are. And that, I'm pointing at me as, as much as I am anybody. So we must move forward together, but it takes everybody. Thirdly, although we must move forward and we must move forward together, we must not get ahead of God. I've had several ask me, Pastor, you know, what's your vision? What are we going to do? And I, I want to tell you, I've got... I've got hopes and plans and dreams, but we have to wait on God. And so I encourage you that if you would, as we, uh, as over the next upcoming months, as we pray and seek God's leadership and direction and guidance for North Etowah Baptist Church, I would ask you to be willing and ready to go. And when there's opportunity, jump in and be involved, but uh, let's, let's let God lead the way. We can mess things up real quick doing it our way, can't we? Let's let God lead the way. Fourthly, and I want to say this, is we must have the right team in place. 
It takes the right team. And I've been talking with some already in passing conversations. And I know we have some positions that need filled here at the church with our youth and children and different aspects of ministry that need filled. And, and so we, we want to fill these positions, but we, we have to have the right team in place. And one of the greatest joys that I've been excited about is, and I want to say thank you to the church, is that many of the staff positions were left vacant until the pastor came here. And having the ability to be able to be involved with the hiring process, to make sure we have people that we can work together with, this has made this is a great decision by the church, and I, I'm so excited about that. But we have to get the right team in place. And so please be praying. Um, that God would give leadership and direction in that matter, amen? And uh, boy, our youth department, I'll tell you, I'm so excited as we walk around these facilities, it is a blessing to see the potential that's in these rooms and these facilities. What an amazing potential at North Etowah Baptist Church. It, man, the sky's the limit on what God can do here. At the same time, and I don't have to tell you when you see a lot of these classrooms not being used, you think, man, we're missing opportunity. And so we want to get the youth department going. I know you do as well, but we have to have the right team in place. So I would encourage you, please be praying uh, for the committee, the search teams, as um, they go forward in making these hires. Fifthly, we must be willing to adapt to change in ministries. We have to be willing to adapt. Now, I don't like saying the word change because nobody likes change. Adapt is a little more friendly than change. But we have to be willing to adapt to our community, to what the needs are. You know, the needs of our community 30 years ago are not the same needs as they are today. Things have changed. And so we must be willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, we're willing to do it if we can reach our community with the gospel. Whatever it takes. But then lastly, I want to say this. Although we must be willing to go forward and we must be willing to change, we must never forsake God, the gospel, or the gifts that God's given us. Just because we're going to go forward does not mean we're going to abandon what's truthful and what's right and what works. Amen? We have a foundation on the God's Word, and we must stand fast and firm upon it. God's words are faithful. Amen? They don't change. They've worked. The truth of God has been right from the beginnings of the foundations of the world, and they're still true today. And the same God that saved and turned the world upside down with the apostles, the same God that's changing a country in the Middle East and having hundreds saved and baptized, that same God is still prevalent and he's right here. He's interested in Etowah, Tennessee and North Etowah Baptist Church. And God desires to do things greater and beyond what we can imagine or ever even dream of. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's able? I believe that. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. Not only do I believe God is able, I believe God is desiring to do great work here. I believe that. 
So if God is able and God is desiring to do the great work, what's standing in the way? If we can come to a place where we say, God, we're going to follow you. We're going to do whatever it takes. And we jump in and say, God, here's my life. Use me. God can do great things. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I pray that Lord, you would begin to mold us, and uh, Lord, I want to be careful. Lord, I, I, there are so many great people here at our North Etowah, and Lord, they have been faithful. Lord, even these last three years without a pastor, Lord, they have faithfully uh, manned the ship. God, thank you so much for their wonderful uh, love and stewardship. But God, as we go forward, Lord, may we not sit back now and say, well, we made it through the storm. We can take it easy. But Lord, may we stay firm to the work that you've called us to. Lord, may we press forward with the gospel that, Lord, our neighbors, our children, our grandchildren, Lord, that this community that Etowah might say, Christ is honored and glorified at this church. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.